shining a light on podcasts and videos that have caught our attention. The Spotlight with Jen Spiker. Weekdays on Vision and on demand in the free Vision Christian Media app. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Coming up today on The Story. We both sort of said, well, you know, it just don't do that sort of thing. And no. he said, sorry, Mum. And as soon as he said that and he was gone, I had the most incredible sensation of grief and sorrow. And I was trembling. I was saying, Lord, what have I done? And I just knew that God was having very serious dealings with me. The Story. G'day, I'm Jimmy Colfax. Welcome to The Story. Well, today we start off with a beautiful, heartwarming story featuring Lorraine Pimenta from Perth and a young man named David from Iran. However, as we'll hear, the story didn't start off too well. Actually, when Lorraine first met David, she was pretty annoyed with him. But as we'll hear, they went on to form a special friendship with amazing results. We'll find out what happened as Lorraine has a chat with Shelley Scowan. Lorraine, you've just got a really interesting story about how God placed you in the right place at the right time to speak into one man's life. And uh, the more you found out about him, the more you've realized he really needed God uh, quite desperately. Lorraine, tell us about the day that you met David at your local shopping center. I usually go down shopping on, on a Thursday and my friend and I generally stop and have coffee after we've been shopping. We both have disabilities. I have a mobility scooter and she has one as well. But we had placed our order for coffee and I had parked the gopher near where I could sort of get up and use it. And it was very, very busy. And the door opened and in came this long line of trolley and this young man pushing for all he was worth. But he motioned to me with his arm that I was in the way. And um, I, I said to my friend, what's he going on about? And she said, I don't know. And he kept doing it. And I said to my friend, do you think my gopher's in the way? And she said, no, 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 it's not in the way. He can go around. And with that, I was quite annoyed and sort of motioned for him to go around the other side of the, of the mall. But he didn't. He kept coming. And he spoke to me about moving my gopher. And my friend jumped up for me and she said, she can't do that because she can't walk. She's got a disability. But anyway, she moved the gopher for me. And he went on, and we both went ahead and had our coffee and what have you. And about 20 minutes later, the same long line of trolleys and the same young man came in, and I said to Bernie, I'm so cross, I'm going to really tick him off. So that when he came level with the table, I did. I was, I was not at all nice. It was <laughs> terrible, really. In fact, we both sort of said, well... You know, it, it just don't do that sort of thing. And no. he said, sorry, Mum. And as soon as he said that and he was gone, I had the most incredible sensation of grief and sorrow and I was trembling from head to toe. Couldn't work it out. And I don't remember much getting back on my gopher and going outside the shop. I was saying, Lord, what have I done? And... I just knew that God was having very serious dealings with me. Wow. I got home to my husband. He was waiting to have lunch with me. And 
I told him what happened, but I said, I've got to go back and apologise, which is what I did. And going into the shopping centre, I prayed and I said, Lord, if this is really you, you're going to have to bring him to me because where in all this shopping centre am I going to find him? Which, of course, is what happened. He came to where I was and um, I went up to him and I said, I am so sorry for speaking like that to you. My heart hurts and please, I, I am so sorry. And I got talking to him, where are you from, Iran, asked about English and realised that he had absolutely no language skills at all. And something in my heart was just responding to him. And finally I said, well, I'm used to um, assisting migrants with English. Would you like me to help you? Oh, yes, please. His face lit up. Progressively, as I was going backwards and forwards, home, back to the shops most days, he would sit on the bench outside Woolies and I would sort of help him with sentences and encourage him to get out and move amongst people. And every time I came home, I said to my husband, something's happening. God is doing something in this young man, and it's just truly amazing. And the long and short of it is, eventually, he came to our home, we invited him, he began to address us as mum and dad, and we had friends come for a cup of tea, and the lady said to me, do you think he'd like to come to church? And I said, oh, I haven't asked him yet. But he said, yes. I want to come. Wow. So there's another young fella from Iran, and the two of them the following Sunday came up to church, and he came in the front door saying, I want to be a Christian, and I want to be baptized. After the service that morning, the pastors gathered around, a few of them, and brought this David to Jesus. Wow. And uh, he wanted to be baptized, which was about a month later. But the way that people opened their hearts and their homes to the two of them, brought them home for meals, helped them with English. And generally they were just two very loving young men. David had already made up his mind that he needed Jesus because he didn't want to uh, pursue his former religion. And because of that, he had to leave his own country and come here. Yeah, and there's really quite a story behind that as well. And I guess it just shows that it's it's far too easy for us to just judge or, you know, in the spur of the moment, yes, you probably did have every right to be uh, a little bit on the angry side when you were there at the shopping centre and he was telling you to move and you couldn't. Uh, obviously, you probably sh- should have handled that situation better, but full credit to you for going back and uh, apologising and now it's been the start of something beautiful. But it's so easy, you know, I'm thinking for all of us in that kind of situation, you forget that the other person is a human being and we have no idea of the things that have gone on in their life that day, that week, or in the preceding years. And it turns out there really is quite a story as to what was going on in his life in the preceding years. Lorraine, tell us about David's background. Somehow there's been, for some years now, something in his heart about God, not exactly knowing who God was, but knowing that God was there, and as he had been pursuing his former religion, he began to see the fickle side of his religion, as if he wanted more, and that's what it came to. And it became such that he was fairly 
vocal about it in his own home and his, um, his family were not at all pleased about this to the point where he really had to leave home. It would have been uh, probably punishable if he was to stay there mm. and it became fairly urgent that he come, leave the country altogether and come to Australia. And the thing of it is what grieved my heart so much afterwards when I got to know him and heard the anguish and the loneliness in his voice, I just grieved that God wasn't able to tap me on the shoulder a lot sooner mm. to let me know that this young man had already been crying out to God to find out who am I and where do I belong. Wow. And while it was a very, <laughs> a very cruel way for me to sort of address him, it's turned for good, for which I'm so thankful. I think it drew attention by God for me to realize that this is very serious and not to be played around with nor treated lightly. And as a result, we, we, we've just bonded. I just tell people we've adopted him. Hmm. He's just a lovely fellow and his other friend who is met up from Iran here, the pair of them call us mum and dad. Hmm. But it's wonderful to watch somebody waking up, if that's the best way I can describe it, waking up in the kingdom of God and not knowing very much about it. And whilst I've been brought up in the Christian home and understand what's written in the Bible, there are many people who haven't. And so because a lot of the folk from the church have now come to the occasion helping them to learn English and giving them Bibles, and they're beginning to sort of see the truth um, and to understand who God is. And it, it's been absolutely remarkable, very, very fulfilling and rewarding for me. I'm 78 now, but it's like another chapter in my life, if you wish, yeah. um, that's made me feel very much alive. And what I have to say is I knew then that the Holy Spirit was really within me like a well of water particularly for this young fellow. But what came with it was the Holy Spirit's instruction to say, do not do any more than what I ask you. You said you will help him with his English. Do not do anything more at the moment than help him with English. Mm -hmm. And the verse that kept coming to me over and over again was, you are my disciples if you do whatever I ask you. And it would have been very like me to come across a need like this and then decide what we should do with him. Instead, I've had to learn to wait until God indicates what he wants to do in a person's life. Really, he's the one that's doing the work in them and it's mm-hmm. a privilege that he's chosen to use you to be a part of it. Like, what a beautiful thing for you to be involved in. I just count it a real privilege and a real thrill. And he's just become a son. And what's more, he loves to cook, so he cooks a lot of meals and brings them in here, which is a great help for me. So it's going both ways. Yeah. And uh, it's just a real joy. Yeah. Hey, you mentioned about how you had had a fair bit of experience helping people learn English. Was that as part of some sort of a, a ministry or is it was it your profession? Well, or? My, my history is I was a, a registered nurse years ago until I retired. And then somehow, I'm sure now that it was God, I became interested in working with TAFE on teaching English to migrants. Right. So I made uh, inquiries about that 
and they train you themselves and then they appoint your students. For about 14 or 15 years I did that. And uh, I had no... I did it really for my own enjoyment, which I did enjoy so very, very much. But I soon discovered that I had a disease in my legs where I lost the use of my legs. So I was no longer able to get into the car and either go into town to work with my uh, migrants there or go to their homes. So I had begun to think that my days of teaching English were finished. But this is something else. It's, God had other plans. It's come to me. You are an inspirational lady, Lorraine. Just a wonderful story of a, a real person in a real situation that God just used you in a, a, an amazing way. And now... Uh, this man is going to be in heaven because of you. And yes. who knows who yes. else he'll lead to Christ. You know, it could be a massive flow on effect as well. Thanks so much for having a chat with us this morning, Lorraine. Appreciate it. Well, it's my joy and my privilege. That was Shelley Scowen chatting with Lorraine Pimenta from Perth about the special friendship she formed with David from Iran. What a beautiful story and what a practical way she found to help immigrants to Australia. She simply just helped him with his English. Fantastic. Next, we have another story about an immigrant to Australia. Eric Scadabo chats with Yen T. Yong from Sudan about the struggles of being a refugee and not knowing where the rest of your family are. That and more when we return. The Story. If this program has highlighted something you'd like prayer for, we'd love to pray for you. Call 1-800-PRAY-FOR-ME. That's 1-800-772-936. It's a free call. Or text 0401 132 888. Hi, I'm Jimmy Colfax and this is The Story. Before the break, we heard about Lorraine from Perth's friendship with David from Iran. Next, we'll learn about another immigrant to Australia, Yen T. Yong from Sudan. He'll share some insights into some of the struggles he's faced being a refugee and not knowing where the rest of his family was. He's chatting with Eric Scatterbuck. Um, I end up here in Australia because I, I left Sudan I left my hometown, you know, um, in 1984, when uh, when this uh, second civil war started in Sudan. So, my uh, hometown Nasser in Apanal was the first was among the first areas which were affected. Mm-hmm. So uh, the rebel when and you know uh, started. Uh, this war with the government and the government were, you know, came out and they take revenge on local people, you know, that is mm. how my area was burned down and we evacuated the area so we come to Ethiopian border so mm. I was uh, around the border of Ethiopia, you know, until 1989. So you're basically a refugee? Yeah, yeah and then um, in, in 1989 that's when I, I enter uh, Ethiopia, I stayed in a a refugee camp in Ethiopia, uh, in Itang. So I was there until uh, 1991, and then after, mm-hmm. you know, the government of uh, of the day was overthrown, then I came to Addis and stayed there. So I was refugee in, in Addis Ababa, and then I got married there. I went to school and finished my high school. So 
after that, after I finished my high school, and then I didn't have a scholarship to go to uh, university. So the UNHCR, uh, the, the UNHCR, which is a refugee agency, um, uh, gave me a resettlement to Australia, and I came uh, here in um, 1999. So that's how I ended up in Australia. Now, did you know anything about Australia before you came here? Uh, not much, really. Uh, the first time I heard uh, about Ethiopia, I mean about uh, Australia, uh, it was on, you know, uh, year 10 or grade 10 geography. So that's where I learned about Australia. And not much, actually. Kangaroos? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I learned about kangaroos, but uh, not very much about it because it looked like, you know, uh, why, why would I know about it that much since mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't think I would end up here in and then and, several years later, and then yeah, you ended up here. I, I ended up here. And then the first thing I did was to to go and see kangaroos in, <laughs> in, in the zoo. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Yeah. So has it been hard to adjust to life in Australia? Yeah, um, settling in a new country is never always easy, uh, mm-hmm. since you have to start from the scratch. So um, it is a new beginning, um, and um, the culture was so different. So, yeah, it took time to adjust, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's why, you know, for for many migrants, you know, they feel like they came yesterday because every day they see something new. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is because, uh, yeah, yeah, adjusting to, to life was was a little bit uh, difficult. But, uh, yeah, but, they, you know, there are a lot of you know, good people who like to help. You know, always, you know, someone is there to help and show you, you know, mm-hmm. So you hadn't seen your parents for over 20 years, is that right? No, um, I haven't seen my parents for more than 10 years. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So a long time anyway. It is a very long time, yeah. It is I mean, a very long time. I think a lot of people don't realize that as a refugee, I mean, your top priority is just to survive. And then after you get resettled in a new country and go through all the difficulties of trying to adjust to a mm. new culture... Then all of a sudden you start thinking, "Hey, where's the rest of my family? My brothers and sisters." That's right, and and um, that's right. Um, you know, when you live in in the community, like in here in Australia, um, it's very hard for people to know, you know, how you're feeling, uh, mm-hmm. because this kind of uh, of feelings, you know, haunt you. You know, because mm. you feel like. When I went back home to, to Sudan, you know, I wrote an email to one of my work colleagues and I said, you know, uh, for the first time in more than 10 years, I'm now feeling complete. Is that and, right? Yeah. And now, then, why is that? And yeah, this is because, you know, part of me was saying, well, what is happening to me and why do I leave? I mean, mm. where's the parents? Where's the relative? I mean, where where's the brothers? Where's the sisters? You know, and uh, I end up here. How do I know where they are? You know, some of them die or... You know, you you know that that is stay. You know that always in your mind, and and yeah. So it it, it even making it make your settlement process very very difficult because mm. you don't concentrate then. And mm. yeah, so so you didn't. If I understand you correctly, you did not feel complete until you finally found out where is the rest. That's of That's right. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been living with it for this. You know. Um, yeah, since since I came here or since mm. I left my parents in Sudan, you know, I've been always asking myself and this question's always been part of me, part of my thinking and and after I went back and saw them, it disappeared and it gave me a kind of, you know, uh, 
piece, you know, mm. in, in, in mind, yeah. So did you have to search for them? Um, yeah, when I left Ethiopia, I left for, uh, one of my brothers uh, behind in Ethiopia. He was able to trace uh, where everyone is. So through him, at least, I found out where my parents oh, okay. were, yeah. Like uh, when I left from here, my f- my father was in in Uganda, you know, and he can't communicate with my you know mom or other uh, relative or family mm. members because there is no communication then. Oh, so just scattered. I'm in Australia, and and I had to be you know uh, you know I I they communicate through me. So oh really? I talk to my dad, and I told him I will tell him about you know the family well being and all that. And then he will ask me to, you know, if he want to send some messages and, you know, uh, you know, I will call Ethiopia oh, wow. or Sudan and then to tell, you know, the rest of the family members, you know, dad is all right. And, you know, he said this, he said that. Yeah. Wow, quite an unusual it, it situation. Is, it there. is unusual, yeah. Now, and you were raised in a Christian family, is that right? Yes, yes. I was baptized back in 1976, if you can't remember very well, yes. And um, uh, I'm from Christian family, and uh, yeah, so I, I was born and raised in Christian family, and um, I would say I've been always Christian. But then I, I had this difficulty because my relationship at the time, even through that journey, was like I'm a Christian because my parents are Christian. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know, you know, the direct relationship with God, which I did then uh, came in and find. And uh, so, you know, I, I keep praying, you know, that I, I feel, yes, I go to church regularly, but I still feel that uh, it is not the kind of relationship that I want with God. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I keep praying about it. And then until I reach the conclusion that I need to be rebaptized, I need to be baptized again, mm-hmm. you know, to, you know, and then. Um, it was after I feel that, you know, I accepted Jesus as my personal savior and not because of my parents. So I have now a relationship between me and him. So that's why, you know, I, I decided that I need to be baptized because to, Amen. Yeah, yeah, thank you. And did your faith help you through these difficult circumstances? Very much, very much. And, um, yeah, I would say God loves me. Uh, the fact that when I came to, to, to this country, I was able to connect with uh, Crossway Community, uh, the church that uh, yeah. you and I met. That's right. So I've been going to that church, you know, since uh, 2001. Before that, I struggled, you know. I, I go mm. to church. Sometimes, you know, you find all uh, elderly people, you know, and, and you, you know, they don't know very much about, you know, the, what you are through. And because Christianity or, you know, the church need to support you know, one mm-hmm. another, right. you know, like right. uh, the Crossway community, you know, helped me. Excellent. Yeah, very much. And emotionally, you know, you got someone is there talking to you, you know, oh, great. praise God, you know, with song and, you know. Yeah, so my faith helped me through that because uh, I was then connected to the church who really look after me and my family here. Now, you were part of a delegation and you found your own family, but you... Were there to help other people find their families as well? Do I understand that correctly? Yes. Um, when I was in Khartoum, after I met my parents, you know, I also started uh, tracing for family members of those people I know back here in, in Australia. Mm-hmm. 
so I had a a friend who doesn't know, you know, where his uh, older brother uh, was, you know, for for the last twenty one years. So I was able to locate him, and I took uh, really a time, you know, to go and find him and tell mm-hmm. him, look, you have a brother somewhere. And oh and wow, he, yeah, that's kind of neat. Yeah. So when I bring that news, you know, to that brother uh, here in 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 Australia. He can't believe it until you know he pick a telephone and and talk to his brother. So, yeah. So it was very fulfilling helping others, you know, because I know there are others in the community who are going what I uh, you know I went through. You know, mm-hmm. um, family members you can't meet them because you know you can't locate them. Uh, mm-hmm. I know there are a lot of people who, are, yeah. Any other highlights of your trip that you'd like to share with us today? God is doing a wonderful job. God mm-hmm. never let down His people. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, uh, through all this suffering, you know, uh, you know, people, you know, are very strong in the Lord. You know, they continue to, you know, to to believe in God, and a lot of, you know, people are turning to Christianity, and yeah. So that is one of the things. Church grows in in Sudan. Uh, it is just revolutionary. I can't believe that until you know I went back home and saw it. What is it that you can't believe? No, I mean, uh, you know, how how people, uh, you know, turn to God, mm-hmm. you know, uh, it's, it's something that when I, I was away from Sudan, I didn't know it was happening until I, I went back and see it. Wow, well, that's very good news. So yeah. the body of Christ, the church, the community of believers in It is stronger Sudan than is. anything in Sudan. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a good news. Yes. Through all the war and strife, mm-hmm. people are coming to the Lord. That's right. That was Eric Scadabo chatting with Yen T. Yong from Sudan. And before that, Lorraine from Perth shared about her friendship with David from Iran. Both conversations really gave insights into the challenges that many immigrants have when coming to Australia. Some struggle with the cultural differences or learning English, while others struggle with maybe not knowing what happened to the rest of their family or how their family back home is doing. It's a perfect opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus to people in need. As the Bible says, if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God love abide in him? Also, let each of you look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Well, thanks for joining us for Two Immigrant Stories today. Until next time, I'm Jimmy Colfax, encouraging you to share your story with someone today. The Story. Just another way vision is connecting faith to life. This program is a production of Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, see vision.org.au.